0: Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World? Like, hey, we came to play. Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Cause we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort.
1: As commercial space companies have proliferated and achieved new technological milestones, the US government has moved to take greater advantage of the market and get more creative in how it works with industry. That's the case for the U.S. National Reconnaissance Office, the secretive agency overseeing America's space-based intelligence, surveillance and reconnaissance, or in layman's terms, the country's extensive network spy satellites. Director Chris Galise plans to quadruple the number of satellites the NRO has on orbit over the next decade.
0: It's really been a combination of our partnerships with industry, the advancement of technology and the, the coincident reduction in cost of all of those systems. And at the same time, it's helped to improve our reliability so that we can achieve more with more capability at a a lower cost.
1: In a rare one-on-one interview, Dr. Scalise talks commercial partnerships, innovation ahead of the NRO's upcoming tech forum, and how, to channel its own motto, the Classified Intelligence Agency goes above and beyond. I'm Morgan Brennan, and this is Manifest Space.
0: The NRO has been around for a little bit more than 60 years. And and our function is to provide the intelligence surveillance reconnaissance from space so that uh, we can provide information to national leaders, analysts, policymakers, uh, all all the way to the warfighter and and the individuals who are working uh, natural disasters. We want to get them the information as quickly as possible in areas that are very difficult to get by other means.
1: So in terms of uh, space as a warfighting domain, a contested domain, what has that meant in terms of how you're thinking about future capabilities and what the mission of the NRO uh, ha- has evolved to become?
0: So the mission really hasn't changed. Uh, we, we still need to provide that information that, that can only be obtained from space to, to look into the areas, but what has changed is, is some of the ways that that we have to work. Uh, As you said, uh, the space domain has become, uh, essentially a war fighting domain It's become contested. Um, And as a result, we've had to adjust. Uh, One of the ways that we've adjusted is is we've uh, implemented a more proliferated architecture that is putting more satellites up there so that it makes it much more difficult for anybody that wants to to do us harm or deny us our ability to to see, hear, or, uh, or observe um it makes it much more difficult for them to uh, to deal with that at the same time it adds capability so that we can provide more information more quickly uh to whoever the user is so there's a benefit a, a plus minus to uh, to this relationship uh and then of course the way we operate in space is, is a little bit different our partnerships are absolutely critical and in this domain our relationship with space command and space forces absolutely critical to gain an understanding of what's happening in space, and what we need to do as we operate in space.
1: And I want to get into more of that relationship and what that looks like um, in just a moment here. But at the Space Symposium, uh, rather recently, you, you did disclose that you're expecting to quadruple the number of satellites currently on orbit over the next decade. How do you do that? What does that mix look like?
0: So really, it, it comes about because technology has really advanced. Um, we've been part of it. Industry has been part of it, academia. Um, and that's reduced the, the cost of launch. Uh, it's much, much less expensive to get into space. And it's resulted in uh, more, uh, more commodity spacecraft, if you will, that we can buy off of a production line, which has really reduced the cost. And then if you marry those with the sensors that are, are needed to uh, to acquire the information, uh, you can really then go off and expand your architecture in a very affordable way. So uh, it's really been a combination of our partnerships with industry, the advancement of technology and the, the coincident reduction in cost of all of those systems. And at the same time, it's helped to improve our reliability so that we can achieve more with more capability at a a lower cost.
1: So how does that interaction with private industry actually work? Is it situations where you go to companies and you say, and you go to industry and you say, these are the type of capabilities we're looking for, and you put out requests for proposals and the contracting process that traditionally happens, continues to happen, or are there times where now you see companies developing capabilities and saying, we have this, and and the interaction is evolving and looks different?
0: You described it really very well, Morgan. It, in fact, uh, that's what we do do. Uh, there are some things where we're doing something that is so unique and, and, uh, and so advanced that we really have to go out with an RFP and work with industry and others in order to achieve it. Um, but we also um, recognize that there are capabilities out there that they've developed that we can fully rely on. And it comes in, in, in multiple different uh, varieties. Um, as we talked about earlier, um, if they have a spacecraft or or a sensor that that we can use and we can just buy, we do. At the same time, uh, we have gone off and recognized that there are companies that are already taking images or or developed radar program uh, satellites that we can just go off and buy the data from them and and provide that as as a capability, so that we don't have to go off and develop those capabilities or have to go off and and duplicate uh, activities that we can reliably get from industry.
1: Yeah, I think whether it was Russia gearing up to invade Ukraine last year and all of the commercial satellite imagery that was being released through that process, that was so counter to the rhetoric we were seeing come out of Russia, or even more recently, some of the um, images and, and intel that have come out of commercial companies, uh, where that so-called Chinese spy balloon was concerned, and and where it originated, and what that meant in terms of wind currents and how it came came to the U.S. And, and over the U.S., it really shines a light on the role that commercial space is now playing in terms of its interaction with national security.
0: Absolutely, and and the the marriage of the of the two sets of capabilities. And then if you throw in our international partners as well um, you really get a, a you know a, a, a multiplication factor there that allows you to do more and to do it more efficiently as we do it with our partners
1: so what does that mean in terms of keeping all of these assets safe i mean you talked about a more resilient architecture what are some of the threats that are out there uh, to to what we have in place and and how do you continue to move to secure and, and counter those threats?
0: Well, uh, proliferation is, is, is one aspect of it. Um, the other is, is trying to establish norms of operation in space. And, and we're all working together. I would say all the responsible you know, space organizations really wanna go off and, and understand what we're gonna do and what we're doing so that that you, you have a sense of whether something is an aggressive act or whether it's it's just what what you need to do in order to accomplish whatever mission it is that you're doing. So establishing norms and we're working together you know across the space community to do that. Uh, that's a national effort. It's, it's not just a, an NRO or a space force or or a space command or, or a NASA or or you fill in the blank. Uh, we're all working together to understand that. And then is to go off and you know and and develop you know strategies and capabilities that allow us to be to be more resilient to the types of threats that that are out there. I mean, I, I think most people are aware of the um, the 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 missiles that can go off the ASATs that can destroy a satellite that we've seen you know Russia and, and China and 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 other countries you know go off and and develop so we have to you know develop me- means and methods to to go off and do that and we're working that with with our partners and we're working that as we try and develop norms of operation
1: you're holding a tech forum in the coming weeks and to the extent that you that you can disclose what are you thinking about in terms of future technologies and capabilities i mean we see it within the business community and on on Wall Street. There's a big focus, for example, on generative AI. I mean, is that something that's in the mix? Are there other types of new, cutting-edge um, technologies that 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 you're closely watching or, or looking to integrate?
0: Absolutely. So um, at the Tech Forum, we we look for a bunch of different things. Uh, you know, one is new ideas that that uh, industry or academia may have that uh, that could be applied here, and that could be uh, a tool or a technique um, that they're using in a, in a totally different field um, that that might uh, allow us to do things differently, more efficiently. Uh, we're also looking to advance things. You mentioned, you know, artificial intelligence and machine learning. That's absolutely part part of what we do. We we're using it today, but we know it has to advance, and we know that industry uh, and academia are advancing it even further to. Uh, to uh, To allow us to do things, and then we want to go off and look at some technologies that can really offer us some significant capabilities out there in in the future. Uh, and it's not entirely you know clear as to as to how they'll they'll benefit us, but we know that they will. So one example that's that's far out there is is quantum quantum sensing and and quantum communications. If we can do that, it makes it much more difficult to to uh, hide things um, because uh, you're operating at the fundamental levels of physics. It allows us to have communications in, in much more reliable ways that are much harder to uh, break into. So your encryption is, is much is much better. So it's looking that whole range of things from what do you have that can really uh, you know change the way we do things? To what can we, you know, work on together or adapt, like artificial intelligence and machine learning, and where do we have to go in the future so that we can really advance the state of the art?
1: That's fascinating. I, I, in terms of, I'm going to nerd out a little bit here, but in terms of this idea of of quantum, I mean, is this? I feel like we've been talking about, you know, these types of applications for a long time. Are we really finally close to the cusp of of, of, of quantum becoming a real-time, real-world reality?
0: Well, I mean, close is, all depends on what you mean by close, of course. Um, you know, I think quantum communication, we're probably, you know, much much closer to. There have been demonstrations. Um, you know, that's probably something that you can imagine in the next five to ten years as, as being, uh, you know, more of a reality. Quantum sensing is, is further out. It, it requires a lot more work. Almost anything that we're doing in in the sensing area is large, and we have to get that down to something that uh, that that you could put in space. uh, And and that's not going to be a trivial matter. But yeah, I think we're you know, we're making a lot of progress.
1: That's fascinating. All right. So let's talk about something that's maybe a little more near term. Then Um, you mentioned the fact that you collaborate with other agencies and and uh, services and whatnot. Been getting a lot of attention uh for the work the collaboration you're doing with the space force for example with this ground moving target indicator um uh program or i believe it's called long-range kill chains in the the new budget request um i guess just walk me through that partnership and whether it represents a, a new type of collaboration that could really truly potentially get new technologies and capabilities out the door and into the hands of the war, warfighter more quickly
0: well, it's not a new collaboration. We've been working together for years, even before the Space Force wa- was created. We were working uh, closely together. We're, we're gonna be launching uh, a joint mission here uh, this summer uh, called Silent Barker that's gonna improve our, our understanding of the space domain so that we know what's up there and what they're doing. So we've been working together for, for years. That's just just one example. Ground moving target indication or GMTI um, is something that, um, you know, is, it's not new, but it's something that we're working and collaborating on so that we can take the the best knowledge and the best capabilities of both organizations, as we did with, with Silent Barker, uh, and bring that to bear to solve a very difficult problem that that exists on the ground um, that will, will help our warfighters, uh, you know, know where, where individual targets are, um, and and be able to maintain custody of those over over the time frame that they need. So it's not new, um, but it's an indication of a of a of a maturing of our relationship, and just shows that it's getting better and better over time.
1: Understood. Um, now I realize that the NRO budget is classified. But there's a lot of focus right now on the trajectory and sort of where where we land and also the timing uh, of the fiscal 2024 budget, how closely are you watching the debt ceiling, how real is the risk there, given the fact that you do interact as much as you do with industry. Um, I guess let's start with the debt ceiling, then we'll get to get to what that means for future budgets and CRs and all that kind of stuff.
0: Well, I'll start off by saying, you know, we've been we've been very fortunate. We've been supported throughout the years by, uh, you, know, you know, the administration and and Congress, and we're looking forward to that continuing. And, and obviously, anything that that disrupts the the our ability to to work with our partners, whether it's you know the the, the funds available to us to expend um, or you know other restrictions that may come from from uh, you know things associated with the debt ceiling w- would cause us obviously concern and have impacts down the road as to our ability to accomplish mission so yes we're watching it very closely but um, you know we're we're confident that everything will work out
1: and then i guess just in terms of what all of this could mean for when uh, with lawmakers focus as focuses they are on, on on the budget more broadly what all of this could mean in terms of not only The Defense spending bill overall, but but also in terms of being able to get packages actually passed and appropriated on time which, to be honest, we haven't seen very often in recent years happen.
0: Well, we've been fortunate, Uh, I mean I I can only say that uh, you know we've had great support and we're looking forward to to having that continue.
1: Great anything else that. I haven't asked you or that i we should be keeping in mind in terms of the nro nro and in terms of uh efforts and and what you're doing to to help keep america safe right now
0: well i think the one thing that uh that i'd like to mention is the you know the fabulous workforce that we have here because everything that we've talked about has really been implemented by the people that, that that are here uh we have uh you know members of the space force all the military organizations Plus civilians um, that are uh, all working here and, and collaborating with our international partners, our industry partners, our commercial partners, and academia, and they're the ones that really that really make it happen, and uh, and are really the ones that that deserve the credit for for delivering all the capability that the NRO delivers.
1: That does it for this episode of Manifest Space. Make sure you never miss a launch by following us wherever you get your podcasts and by watching our coverage on Closing Bell Overtime. I'm Morgan Brennan. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home,